Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates, ready to go. Wednesday edition of OutKick 360 is underway from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw here, Old Smoky Moonshine in downtown Nashville. Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Coming up, uh, Dan Dockett will join us in a little over an hour. He'll weigh in on Kyrie Irving and uh, the fact that we get an NBA game to, to tune into and watch tonight uh, for some of us start to finish uh, with uh, the drama that's going to be on the floor between Boston and Brooklyn later this evening. We hit the headlines throughout the NFL draft as well. And Debo Samuel, the latest wide receiver in the headlines as of today, uh, he's been in the headlines with a group of those year three, year four wide receivers going out of year three where they're eligible for their contract extensions for the first time. And Debo Samuel, through uh, his agent, saying, pay me or trade me to the San Francisco 49ers. Reports are this has been going on for more than a week. And uh, it's officially reported today that Debo wants out if he's not going to get the contract extension. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um Weird time. Weird time with NFL receivers wanting a lot more money. Not weird that they want a lot more money based on what some of the guys are making, but uh, you got some teams in a difficult spot right now, and the 49ers are certainly one of them with the latest news. Certainly, uh, you know, national all around, too. I was on Dockage this morning. He asked me what we had going on today. I said, uh, yeah, you, Chief, you, you're coming on today. But, uh, you know, wanted to know every detail about, uh, about the A.J. Brown deal. I think in, in Indianapolis, they're wishing that they had a receiver that they could be. Uh, one know, worthy trying, of trying to demand yeah, more money, you're one saying? One worthy of trying to demand back. But um, big, big story. You know, you can only imagine that, uh, that, that, that the, the Titans and the commanders might be coming to a point where their receivers say this. But, again, a hot nut delved into it further this morning. The, the idea of wanting to be first right now isn't really in your best interest. Um, if, if you want to stack up first, you'd like some of the negotiating going on. And three of these four have um, at least partially the same representative. So there's a lot of wheels spinning too in terms of how this is going to plot out in terms of representation. Uh, if a guy's saying, hey, I want to go last, and he's got the same agent as two of the other guys – uh, how does all that? How does all that work? Uh, I, I wonder how agents work something like that. I don't think the guys want to go last. They want to be traded and go first because eventually you're going to run out of trade partners. There's only so many teams that are going to be willing to trade for these guys, and that's part of the leverage with this. The Jets are playing a part of this because without teams willing to deal for these guys, they're not going to get the maximum contracts immediately the way they want because the team they currently play for holds their leverage. If they're traded to New York. Then That's the leverage goes to the player, yeah. and you're not going to give up the picks unless you're going to give the big contract to the guy you're acquiring. You're investing in that player. The player wants investment. They don't care if they go first or last. They want the team they're playing for to invest in them long term and not have them playing for $3 million next year when they look down the road to other teams 
where these new contracts over the first three years of these deals, uh, while you know we can point to the uh, upper shelf being Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams, those guys are averaging around 23, 24 million per season over the first three years. That's, that's a big deal for these guys who are now going into the final year of their contract making about three. That's a little over three is what A.J. Brown is scheduled to make. Uh, Debo Samuel may be a, a bit less, but just as valuable to San Francisco's offense. And in a, in a time where if you're not a quarterback, you don't hold much leverage at all. If you're a skill position player and you have a sliver of it, you use it. And that's what these guys are doing because they're eligible for an extension and they see teams are willing to deal and make players franchise-type money at the position that we haven't seen before. So I don't think it's about going last. I think it's about finding a, a placement where you're going to find investment. And that doesn't mean first, second, third, wherever. Um, I, I would want to be first here if I'm going to be traded. And Debo Samuel's playing that card right now because if he's traded, there's one less team that's willing to trade for a franchise-wide receiver. The, the other thing is Seattle has some money right, to deal with Metcalf, and Washington has some money to deal with McLaurin. The bottom two teams in salary cap money right now, right now live on their site at over the cap, Tennessee, $1.7 million, 49ers last, $1.5 million. Those two teams don't have any money under their current cap structure, no matter how well-structured a new deal is, to, to give them. They have to make a move in order to have a new contract for um, for Debo Samuel or for A.J. Brown. So those guys would have to wait on the mechanics of something else to happen, too. So to your point, if I get traded to a team that's way higher up on the list of having free money, uh, and I'm sure the, the, the Jets are uh, you know certainly above that, I don't have to wait on any mechanics for you to do anything. And there's another point where Ryan, con- Ryan Tannehill's contract's just an albatross um, when they're paying him $37 million this year. Uh, if, if they weren't, uh, they'd have some money for A.J. Brown. But because they are, they don't. And they'd have to make yet another move in restructuring somebody else to free up the money for, for the first-year charges and the, and the bonus check. But if, you, if you're one of those teams, you wait post-June 1st. Julio Jones will take money off oh, the Titans. Right. They get $9 million there. And that's why the Titans are wanting to wait. Meanwhile, A.J. wants to get paid now because – the wide receiver market is going up and you can go cheap in the draft. And once you get past the draft and once these teams, uh, one of these guys maybe gets traded to the Jets, I don't know who it would be, um, you start to dry up in the trade market post-draft. And if you're not going to make a deal, then the team holds all the leverage and the guys who are trying to find the extension don't necessarily get it. You'll lose an accrued season if you don't show up next year. Uh, So you're back to square one a year from now. And you're fined fifty grand. Right now, they hold more leverage than they're ever going to have because it's pre-draft and teams are making investment in wideouts. They don't want the Jets to get to the draft and draft a guy. They want to be traded to that team and get paid. And I'm not saying that's AJ or Debo, just anybody. They want to make the type of money that is uh, on par with their production. Um, that doesn't have to be top-of-the-line money, but it doesn't have to be fourth year, first contract, second round either. The Jets in their seeking thing never mentioned McLaurin, uh, interestingly. They mentioned Metcalf, Samuel, yeah. and Brown. Just something to think about there. They don't like him as much. Guess not. They don't want to trade for him. They want the other guys. I, it's, it's quite the time to be a wideout because, uh, and, and Albert Breer put this out, 
Diggs, Hill, and Devontae Adams are at least averaging more than $22 million over the first three years. So the market's going up, and that's due in large part to the trades. But it's never been easier to find wide receivers in the draft and be able to plug and play guys based on the way these offenses are built. I think you're crazy if you give any of these guys more money than any of those guys, don't you? I, I mean, it, and it's the same offseason. If it was a year away, right, then things step up year by year. But these guys, all very good, and I agree, A.J. Brown, the best of the four, but he's not in, uh, I think, you know, no. you, you put things in classes, and those three guys are in a class. I would argue maybe two classes. You've got Adams and Hill. I would say um, Diggs maybe in a, another tier, and then these guys are in the next tier. But I, I don't think they touch that, those three. But here's where he's in the same tier, value to his offense. Yes. Look around that wide receiver room no, here in Nashville. Nothing. Look around the wide receiver room and running back room, for that matter, in San Francisco, San Francisco. and compare Debo Samuel to who's there. They can make the argument right now before the cheaper acquisitions come in in the draft as to why they're just as valuable in the top tier. Maybe not compared to if you had a draft of wide receivers, you're taking A.J. Brown over Devontae Adams. But if you're saying who means most to their offense uh, positionally, A.J. Brown's at the top the same way Devontae Adams would be at the top right now and for And you're Vegas. putting super pressure on the GM to go find another guy who, you know, ultimately can play at, at your level. Titans don't have a history of that. They've gotten better, but A.J. Brown's the number one thing that made them better. John Robinson doesn't have a great track record. He found, he's found guys who run better routes, but he hasn't found superstars outside of A.J. Brown's the best receiver that's emerged in Nashville in, in their whole time here, which is, you know, since 1999. Boys, I have Twitter beef. Can I explain? Bring. Uh, just changing topics here quickly. Uh, so yesterday I talked about Ryan Tannehill and my problem with him not being at voluntary workouts for a, a lot of reasons, mainly being that he screwed up the end of the season for the Titans. He's the highest paid guy on the team. Uh, he should be there and he should be more accountable. To which everyone wants to make excuses for Ryan Tannehill. And someone who goes by Cousin Corey, I don't know what the heck Cousin means the front of a name, but Cousin Corey says Auntie. it's also voluntary workouts. If you're going to call out Ryan Tannehill, do the same for every starter and role player that doesn't show up. Let me explain to you positional accountability and what it means to be a quarterback because I feel like people don't really understand this. If you are the quarterback of a team, the leader, the highest paid guy on the team, I'm expecting more from you than the backup offensive guard or even than Austin Hooper who just joined the team who's at voluntary workouts right now. There is a class system in sports, whether you like it or not. The same people arguing with me about, well, crush everyone that doesn't show up. They're all the same. No, they're not. These are the same people who will argue, well, of course this quarterback is paid way more than the starting left guard of this team because they're the quarterback. Well, if you're the quarterback, you show up. You're accountable. You show up. You're there for your team. I don't know that what Ryan Tannehill does all offseason – I'm sure he's in shape. I'm sure he's continued to work out. I'm just saying from a forward-facing position, if you are the quarterback of an NFL team, I'm expecting more from you. A lot more. It's that simple. Why have we lowered our expectations as fans for the top position in sports? I don't understand that. I, I, I don't understand that. how we're holding. Uh, it, now we got to hold all up to the same standard. 
I don't care. Des Fitzpatrick has worked out with Ryan Tannehill. I don't give a damn if Des Fitzpatrick shows up to anything voluntary because he's not important to the Titans. You know who's important to the Titans? Ryan Tannehill. You know who's important to the Colts? Matt Ryan, who, by the way, bothered to show up for voluntary workouts with the Colts. Give me a damn break. He's the quarterback. He's Act paid like well. you've watched sports before. If be you know, I mean, come on. Another thing it's Titans different. fans are overrating and misconstruing. Uh, some people on my Facebook page are talking about how toxic it is. I'm like, I, I, I corrected them. They said, no, no, just on Twitter. I said, if you think Titans Twitter is toxic, you need to go on Bears Twitter and Jets Twitter and Giants Twitter and Eagles Twitter and Commanders Twitter and virtually every other Twitter in the league. Like, you're getting a little taste of what if, big football teams well, let me be, let me, let me also be very clear with that argument. And I'm, I, this is a national topic here. This is every team in the NFL. If you are a fan and you honestly believe that because Twitter is toxic around the team, that that affects a star player and a leader for your team, that is not a star player and a leader. Well, it has affected A.J. Brown, I think, to, to a degree. Then he's not a leader. He's a great player who needs to grow up. If Titans Twitter being toxic is affecting him mentally and his performance, which, by the way, I don't think it is. I'm not willing to go as far as to think it's affecting his performance. No, it's not. Is he bad at Twitter? Yes. Is he bad at social media? Yes. Should he stay off of it some? Sure. But this is also a tactic with him scrubbing Tennessee from it. It's a negotiation tactic. I don't see anything that – I'm putting it this way. I don't see anything A.J. Brown has done affecting him from not performing on Sundays. So this, that's what I'm. That's no, what I'm I, most concerned. I agree with, with that entirely. These people were saying more like they want the AJ Brown thing resolved, so Titans Twitter could resume being a peaceful, friendly oh, place, gosh. which is just Give me ridiculous to me. This is the posturing, the posturing month I mean, for veterans who have it. any type of leverage. And it, look, uh, unless you're a quarterback, you don't really carry much leverage into training camp. Um, and, and, and it's few and far between where negotiations have to actually work in your favor once the season gets going. You, it, you'll be called out. You know, they'll call you on the carpet. They'll call your bluff and tell you to sit out and take a $50,000 fine. Um, unless you're the quarterback and the team can't move forward with the backup that they have, in, you know, the, the option there, and you work something out. Uh, unless you're a Lamar Jackson who's okay getting paid the type of money he's going to be paid in the final year. And then the franchise tags go up. That's not the same for these wideouts that we're discussing yep. because they're making rookie salary type money and it's not compared to some of the guys who were second or third options in other offenses who have cashed in with deals or been traded and got contract extensions. A.J. Brown's responsible in his three years for 28% of the Titans' passing yardage. It's pretty substantial. Well, and beyond just yardage, the massive plays, I pointed this out, the massive plays that set up either uh, game-winning, game-time field goals or just scores of 40 yards or more compared to rest of the rest of the explosion across the league, he is the explosive element to their offense. Without him, they're bad. And they were bad explosively last year anyway. That's got to improve. It cannot improve without A.J. Brown on the field. I think it's crazy, they need though. to stack on top of it, not... Subtract I, I just think it's crazy. I know we're going to get into a bigger topic about the NFL players wanting new contracts and how this is now the thing to do, and we're seeing it more and more often. Um, but on what I was saying before, the lack of – we've gone from every fan saying, 
man, why are we paying this guy so much money? You're making this much money for this. That's ridiculous that you make this much money. To anytime someone calls out someone for making a lot of money with very little output, it's, oh, well, the money doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter what they make. They're, they're human. You can't, can't talk about the money needs part of it. time with his family. Well, the, what is, how much is Ryan Tannehill set to make this next season? 30, high 30s. High 30s millions, okay? This is an actual argument I received yesterday uh, on Twitter was, well, teachers have half the year off. <laughs> I mean, he's human. He needs a vacation. That, that, this is what NFL players do. They have half the year off. So he's just electing to take his voluntary time off and be away from the team during the half the year off. You realize teachers don't make $38 million a year, right? I'm sorry. Again, his different base, expectations for different jobs. His base salary this year, he's making 29 His cap number is There, there are different expectations for different jobs Absolutely. all across America. And let me let you in on this. There are different expectations for different jobs within the NFL and with on a 53-man NFL roster. There's a higher expectation for the quarterback of an NFL team compared to a role player. Also, he's already had off the equivalent of a teacher. January, February, March, and most of April. So three months and three weeks, pretty much. Three months, anyway. That's what a teacher gets off, right? Constant apologizing for players. I mean, come on. We need to go. I I admit that there was probably a time where fan behavior on this was too extreme. We're seeing some of it on our YouTube chat right now. That goes the opposite way. You know, guys should make as much as teachers that play in the NFL <laughs> type deal, right? Like teachers and firemen deserve more money than NFL players. We're getting that argument going on right now. Um, but let's get it in the middle somewhere. I feel like we've gone way too far the other way. That No, 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 no. We can't say a word negative about this guy and the money he's making because he's human and he still deserves time off just like other people have time off. No, my expectation level rises with the money. That someone's getting paid. If the quarterback that's going to Tennessee is actually making $2 million a year, I expect that quarterback to start game one at Tennessee. And I'm going to be highly disappointed if that's not the case. I think Absolutely. it played a factor in why Joe Milton was the starter last year. He was getting paid. Yes. Sue me if I feel that, if I feel that way about it. That my expectation level is going to go up with money. If you're a first-round pick, guess what? I expect more. If you're a second-round pick, Dylan Radens, I expect you to be an offensive tackle early in the season and not a guard. And not a guy standing in front of a heater in street clothes. Coming up, NFL players constantly wanting the new contract and uh, the vibe of the offseason, not just this year, but uh, recent years. The entire NFL offseason has been dominated by the next wave of players looking for extensions. And when you think about the NFL compared to the other pro leagues, this is where they, they are very different. Most of the time, the guys get their contracts and they play it out. But we're not seeing that necessarily play out this way in the NFL across the board. We'll discuss why and whether or not it's a good thing. Next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. 
Glad you're with us. Coming up in an hour, Dan Dockich of Don't At Me with Dan Dockich across the Outkick Network. You can uh, see the odds for Debo Samuel's next landing spot. That's at a story at Outkick.com, and it includes plus 200, the New York Jets. And beyond the Jets, that's where it gets interesting because there are some teams listed that, you know, do they have the space, don't they? The one, the one um, interesting landing spot, I think, is Houston because of how they could build around him and how they could use him. But it's, it's tough to just give up the type of picks that other teams covet. Are you totally sold on him? Debo? Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was um, as explosive as any player in the league last year. A dynamic. can play multiple positions. Um. Yeah, I mean he's he's right there with the best of them. I I I'm a I, I'm not totally sold on the uh, Shanahan element of it, but I wouldn't love I wouldn't love to to throw him in Houston where I'm not certain about the offensive coaches. You know what I mean? I, I'd rather put him on a team where I feel pretty good about the head coach as an offensive coach or the coordinator. Houston's too messy for me to put him. The Jets, I don't have a lot of confidence in the quarterback yet. And this is a trade-off you're going to get a lot of times. The, quarter, the, the receiver going now to a better contract is going to a lesser offense, a lesser quarterback. Tyreek Hill is doing that with the confidence that he's going to make Tua a better quarterback. He's certainly taking a step, big step down from Mahomes. Here, here are your odds. Landing spots for Debo Samuel, who has told the 49ers he wants to be traded. Odds for week one if it's not San Francisco. Jets, plus 200. Eagles, plus 300. Colts, Saints, plus 500. And then you get to the Texans. Um, the, the Texans are intriguing because they have the highest pick that you could throw out there this year. And they don't want to take a quarterback. <laughs> so, <laughs> you've got, you know, they'd rather just go with the quarterback they have and, and move forward at the, at the skill positions. Others listed, Falcons, Patriots, Chiefs, Packers, Cowboys. Like Some of these are pipe dreams to me based on investment already at the position and at quarterback. But you got to keep in mind, wherever he ends up being traded, if in fact he does, he's getting that big-time money that counts moving forward on their salary. Col- Colts would be a great place for him, but Colts can't, can't deal anymore. Colts have to sit tight with what they have picks-wise. Right. They should be trading back, if anything, and try to stockpile some picks. They just can't. I, I know they got some return there for Wentz, and they were all right in the second, but um, they just can't. They're as receiver needy, I feel like, as any legitimate team, any contender. Do you think it's just believe. a first-round pick for Debo Samuel, or is there more involved in the deal for him? Uh, if you had to speculate what the price is. and I, I think s- a first and something. I ask that because – with the changing, the, the changing economics of the league in that what's changing is that players just decide, I don't like this, my, my rookie deal, so I want better, so I'm going to demand to be traded where someone's going right. to pay me for it and give me an extension. That's the new economics. It's really not a bad trade-off for the 49ers who drafted Debo Samuel in the second round. They got second-round pay to Debo Samuel for a lot of production in his time with the 49ers, and then... They can trade him and his salary demands away to someone else that will pay him and get a high first-round pick in return? 
All in all, that's a win for the 49ers. Like, it's weird to think of people that way, but these people are thinking of the team in that way also. Yeah, if They're treating the team the way the team would be treating the, the idea of that happening. And the idea of that happening is you are simply a commodity, and I bought low, and I'm selling high, and by the way, I got returns while you were here. So not only did I buy low and sell high for a high first-round pick, but I got a lot out of you in your time here. Well, in Samuel's case, not as big a returns as these other three because his big returns were this one this last year. season. Yeah. Um, but, but they yeah, still got – Yeah, your point's taken. If it was more reliable what you could get with that first-round pick, I, I'd, I'd agree with you. It's, it's a little bit too unreliable. You know, if you could just go get a receiver and, and plug him in and you'd know you'd get – but I, 75% of what you got from Debo Samuel this year? Yeah. But they, see, they're a Super Bowl contending team. Players are constantly wanting these new contracts. And I say players. It's, a, it's mainly wide receivers this offseason that we've seen. Quarterbacks, too. But quarterbacks, to me, are in a different, yeah, different argument altogether, a necessity. The wide receiver issue is intriguing because in order for these players to be able to demand these contracts you have to have a market available for another team willing to give you what you feel like is fair market value a negotiating table where you're negotiating another team offer that's willing to trade a boatload of picks like they did Kansas City Miami plus giving the guy the contract yeah and then you give the contract the investment from the other teams is what's intriguing because the position itself I, 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 it's, it's such a de- every year is a deep draft for wide receivers. You can find type, exactly uh, second. We're talking about second, third round guys right now that are wanting that eligible type money this offseason. And I'm all about the weapons. I'm totally into it being a weapon league now. But if you get against the right team, you, you know, with some good corners and a good pass rush, it's conceivable the guy touches the ball six times in a game. Right? Yeah, those, six, those Tyre- six touches for these guys, though, were very impactful. Very impactful, but still not – there's no guarantee that he controls every game. Debo Samuel in particular. Ty- Tyreek Hill I'm scared of every game. I think he's probably going to control every game. Devontae Adams is probably going to control every game, and Stephon Diggs is probably going to have a say in every game. But am I going into every game thinking Debo Samuel is going to determine – if that team wins or loses this game, I, I don't think so. Well, I mean, if to the point where I'm giving up two picks for him and a massive contract. If you're looking at players that control a game outside of quarterback, who who is it? Yeah, I mean, Derrick Henry. It's a, it's a pass rusher who's on fire. I mean, quarterbacks and Derrick Henry. A pass rusher, even could, a pass rusher though, like great pass yeah, rushers right. have games where they don't affect the game at all. The greatest in the history of the game. I think Jay, plenty of games that are not affecting the game. That quarterback think, for that team, though, affected that game every single time. I think Aaron Donald, uh, you would think of that yeah. way. J.J. Watt at his peak, you, you would think of that way. I don't, I'm not – Debo Samuel's not entering that conversation for me. Well, and that's why I go back to if you're the 49ers and he's demanding a trade, yeah, right. then it's not that bad of a situation for the 49ers. You drafted a guy in the second round. It's also just odd to me. Look, I'm all for the players' right to try to get whatever they can. All right? And if you are if you like you're in a bad contract, whatever. You can try to get out of it. There's always the classic examples of, you know, Scottie Pippen, who signed the worst contract ever, 
And he was told at the time, we will not renegotiate when you sign this. And they didn't. They didn't talk about it. And, and he played. Not all the time. He was a malcontent, and he sat and faked injury, but he did play. Played out the contract. Um, if you're a second-round pick, I'm sure if you're A.J. Brown, you're upset you're a second-round pick when you're taken in the second round, or you're Debo Samuel. But a team did draft you in the second round. That team showed a lot of belief in you to take you in the second round. So it's just a little bit weird to me. I know it's all business, but then suddenly, I'm very thankful to this team for drafting me in the second round. This is the league I'm signing up to play in. This is the CBA. I want my money now. There's no way I'm playing out this, off, this contract based on the CBA. So this leads into our discussion. What is the worth of... What is the meaning of a bad player CBA, which the NFL has compared to other leagues, mm-hmm. right? It's not as player-friendly as NBA, Major League Baseball, namely. What is the worth of that if players just decide, yeah, you're right, the CBA does suck. I'll just demand to get traded, or I'll sit out, or I'll be unhappy. Well, it allows for this possibility, right? So uh, this is the best you can do. Hutton hit on this yesterday a little bit. This is the best you can do given the confines of the CBA. But I would say in the next CBA, Chad, I would put it pretty high up there to say there should be some kind of escalator mechanism if you hit certain marks at certain positions through three years of a contract that your fourth year kicks up Yeah, but to the, prevent the desperate plit play here that's and if, really if, difficult though with a cap as with hard cap. as the yeah. nfl has but that, if he was making the other eight league. this year would he be miserable if he was making eight or ten because I mean, what happens with with jeffrey simmons to stick with the titans is he's not going to be happy with his fifth year number but his fifth year number goes up to 10 million dollars right and that's a lot different than his fourth year number and so you take a significant step the sixth year he'll be rich like super rich. He'll get big time money when he gets his long-term extension, but he's going to go from whatever the number is, probably $4 million that he'll make in his fourth year to $10 million. So you, if you're getting a $6 million raise, you can taste it. You can feel it coming and you can say, all right, we're on our way. But if your raise is, if he plays, if AJ played this year for 3.9 and then next year, he's collecting a, a, uh, signing bonus of $25 million, that's a hell of a jump. And there sh- I feel like it's reasonable for the players to say there should be a step between that for guys who are very accomplished. Well, And that's one of the things the they pushed that, for was three-year free agency, which they lost. The teams that have the second through seventh round picks, or undrafted for that matter, um, who are entering the final year of their deal normally get extensions. Cooper Cup got an extension after year three. Now, it was a team-friendly deal at the time. It was also player-friendly because it was only a three-year extension after year three. Puts him back in the market. But he's underpaid based on what we're now seeing the market reach. No fault of the Rams. They were smart when they extended him. But Cup's going to want the extension, too. He's going to want to get paid more. Um, And I think if you're a, a, a receiver who's now eligible for the first time for your contract extension based on the collective bargaining agreement where teams can actually extend you, you want more security uh, than what they currently hold, which is playing under whatever the rookie confines are of the contract with the risk of injury and screwing up the long-term big-time deal. 
when you know there are teams out there who would trade for your services and pay you right now compared to paying you down the road after another year of solid production, another year where you're underpaid based on that production. It's, it's a move you have to make based on the small amount of leverage that you have because normally in the NFL you don't have much. But we are seeing more and more players act like it's time to get their payday. You don't see it in the MLB. You don't see it in the in, in NBA nearly as much. Once they got, once those guys get their mega deals, they normally play throughout or they sign extensions with a year left. Um, I think that's due in large part to the salary cap being very flexible. They can just pay luxury taxes on top of going above the cap threshold. And if the team and the owner is willing to do that, you can extend guys as much as you want to. In they, the NFL, you must be under the cap with your top 51 by the time the league year begins each March. But you also, in those leagues, particularly baseball, which I know the best, play through your deal. Um, mm-hmm. And in the NFL, you You just go to arbitration don't. or something? Well, in the NFL, I remember Nate Washington in Nashville signed, I believe, a six-year free agent deal. And right. him playing through that deal, I remember talking with him about it, was like a true miracle. A guy signing a six-year free agent deal and playing through the entire deal was really incredible. It just doesn't happen. You don't play through the back ends of your contract. Usually the back ends of your contract are papered up to look nice so guys can say they got X even though they didn't get X. Then they're false and you end up cut um, or restructured or, or whatever, and that's where guys are clamoring uh, for new, and a lot of times you'll see a five-year deal, but we know it's a three-year deal. How long's the guarantee for? That's how long the contract's really for, um, and and then something's going to happen. And so there's much more turnover of deals in the NFL than there is in in these other leagues, and and much less guaranteed. Well, I, I mean, baseball contracts are guaranteed, NBA contracts are guaranteed, so it's a non-issue in terms of seeing it through well, to the end. Great baseball players. Uh, they don't ever sign a contract where you're looking back saying, man, they didn't get paid. Yeah. Every, right. every baseball contract signed, I'm looking at saying, wow, Max Scherzer really shouldn't be worth that much money. Right. But the Mets paid him that much money. Yeah. Or you say, the, this guy's going to get another bite. Well, at, he's setting even, himself up for another bite at the apple. The, Who's doing that? The, in the only major contract I can think about where people scratch their head and said, man, they didn't get all they could. Ronald Acuna What's Jr. and Ozzie Albies. Yeah, screwing over the Central Well, the Americans Braves are smarter than everyone else, apparently. Yeah, but that's going to be the that's going to be the case study. In all seriousness, that may be the one case where three years from now, Ronald Acuna Jr. says, "I'm going to hold out. I'm going to do an NFL move, and I demand more. Or I want to get traded because I signed a bad contract five, six years ago, and now I want a better contract. I'm the best player in the game." He could be saying two, three years from now. So that, better, that will be one to watch. Needs a better rep coming in. Just one thing on this topic that, that I, I wanted to get into. This is usually such a fun, hopeful time. And the NFL's got us all hoodwinked on that, right? Everybody feels like they can win. Fans are just buying hope. They're buying the draft gear, right? Free agency comes, and usually it's about your team adding some people in yeah. your cap room. And all the worst teams are talking hopefully – we just heard from, uh, from a terrible head coach, McAdoo, who's now an offensive coordinator, selling Sam Darnold, you know? And they've got draft picks coming now, and everything's happy. This, this is interrupting that. The, these guys asking for contract extensions, and now San Francisco's hopefulness, the fans, based on tangible stuff. They were a game away from the Super Bowl last year, and they've bet a good team. But that market now is like, oh, man, are we going to trade Debo? 
You know, and this is kind of the, the rare downer in the NFL offseason of good players uh, complaining, reasonably so, about their contracts, wanting reasonably so a new contract, or asking, perhaps reasonably so, for a trade to somebody that will pay them. But it's a downer for fans who are used to, from the end of the season, from the combine, certainly all the way through training camp, being all happy and upbeat and everything's great. Look at this fifth-string receiver who's lighting it up at OTAs, Hutton. He's catching everything. He hasn't missed a play. His ankle's great. Everybody's good. We're going to the Super Bowl. This is a a rare off-season downer. That's well, a, a downer for San Francisco. Well, for your team. If you're a if Texans your fan team. or a Jets fan, you're praying that this right. continues to happen. But if it's your the team. Jets are back, baby. We're back. If it's your team that's going it's 1968 through this, it's, a, all over it's again. a rare downer that, that seems to be bigger than it's been in the past. And there's more, more of it. Like right now, these three guys are the story in the NFL where usually it'd be something. Else. We'd be talking about the, the drafted quarterback coming or whatever. I prefer this. We're, we're talking about players who actually matter and are proven. Well, I do like that part of it. I do like that part of it. Coming up, primary complaint next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Wednesdays. Final segment of the first hour. It is time for primary complaint on Outkick 360. And I kick things off with gaslight season. We uh, Paul mentioned last uh, segment the, the, the season of hope and how the talk of all these contracts and trades kills that. We're, here's the problem. There are always media members and media sites uh, willing to do the NFL's promotional work, even if they're just simply based on stats alone. Pro football focus tweeted this out, a, po- uh, a picture of the Jets' potential offense. The Jets' potential offense of Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Braxton Berrios, and A.J. Brown. And they had the, the eyeballs looking at like, whoa, look, look at this. Gaslight every fan base possible, pro football focus. I look at that Jets' offense, and while I see good players, I still see a bad Jets team, and that's my primary complaint. So my primary complaint, I realize we're both a visual and audible medium, so I'm going to di- uh, do something and explain what I'm doing. I'm putting on Paul's glasses right now, his readers. Yes. So I now probably look about 15 years older, but I'm also going to put my sunglasses on top of my head uh-huh. like so. There are far too many men out there who think this is acceptable fashion to put both sunglasses on top of their head and glasses on their face at the same time. My brother is guilty of this. Yes, I'm calling you out. Nick Withrow, my brother, (laughs) does this all the time. And I make fun of him mercilessly every time he does it. And he says that he simply forgets that his sunglasses are on top of his head. So these are two issues right now. You have no feeling on the top of your skull (laughs) to not realize your sunglasses are permanently on the top of your head, walking around on a cloudy, rainy day with sunglasses on your head, and you're wearing your glasses. Don't double up with glasses, ever. It's not a good look, and it's my primary complaint. It's also not a fashion choice. David Reed. 
Yeah, no one thinks that's acceptable, Chad. It just it's inevitable. You'll get there in about four years. Trust me, brother. Um, the internet's been responsible for some truly horrific things, but we have maybe seen the pinnacle of that. Do you remember the uh, Cash Me Outside girl? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, she just bought a mansion in Florida. <laughs> she paid six million dollars for it. She paid six million dollars in cash for that mansion. You, the internet, anyone ever, I don't even know her real name. I don't, and I really, I don't know her rap name either because she has one of those as well, but the internet is responsible for making idiots rich and it's time we stop it. Elon, can you do something? Can you buy the internet as well? We, we've got to do something. Cash me outside. We're better. We're better than this people. Six mil. Six million dollars. I don't remember her, but I'm going to have to look her oh. up. Don't, so don't, don't. See, you're part of the problem, ball. Don't click. She will you be in click. your algorithm you brought her up. from here until All eternity. Right, I, I don't want. My primary complaint, I, I don't know who to aim it at exactly. HR, corporate, um, systems. So I, I've been getting letters. I finally resolved this from some division of my old company, Cumulus, who we worked for for nine, ten years. Um, and it is a letter that said they needed me to get in touch with them in order for them to get my new address because they had something to send. This letter was sent to my quote unquote new address where I've lived for six going on seven years. <laughs> so I called them to quote unquote, give them this address. And I, I was on the phone with them. I, I asked for a supervisor. I worked my way up the chain. I said, I'm really confused. You're sending me the letter to the address you're asking me to call you to give you. Do you see how you already have the address? And we went round and round on this. So it turns out there's some sort of check. They owed me $300 for some expense account thing or whatever. And that check was sent right when we were relocating from Westmead to, to Brentwood. I said, but everything else has reached me. You know where I live. This letter is reaching me. David Reed pointed out when I mentioned this earlier, they've had my bank account number the entire time because they deposited my checks in the bank. So I just baffled at how for six years they've been looking for me to give me this check and now sending me letters asking me to get them my address with those letters coming to the very address that they're looking for. How is this possible? It's two separate... It's two separate offices not working together. It's got to be. Um, but even though they're sending the to your address, asking for your address, it sounds, David Reed even said, it sounds like a scam. Oh, maybe it is. When, when you first hear about it, maybe that it it's is. someone that knows you worked at Cumulus, and I hope you didn't call and give them too much information when you called No, it, it was all legit. I, I mean, it, I'm sure it was legit. Well, it's very odd. Um, I, I've not heard Paul's of this. It was, before. Before. It was <laughs> certainly someone's emailing it was you. Like it's a all certified legit. letter. Well, again, if someone's asking for your verified address, it's typically someone in corporate somewhere you're working via email to ask for your home address. It wouldn't be someone mailing it, it, you something to your physical address and well, asking, we need your permanent address. So it's very odd. But it was the corporate office. It wasn't the local branch. Yeah, it may have been tied to Fidelity, even, which is okay. our, our yeah, so benefits true. department. Which even sounds like Paul, there's more a lot, of a scam. there's a lot going no, on here with a, you. It's, and not, your a, house it's not a scam. You, you filed for an extension, right, on your taxes, yeah. you said. 
Um, this is going on. There's a lot of things happening. That's at once not a lot. Right now. That's two things. One of them was a letter. But I feel like this is part of, a, part of a process no, here. No, that's um, not a process. By the way, I got a message today from a Washington, D.C. area code. And I, would, I, I never answer any call. I don't know the number. Uh, let and me I guess. Saw your they car warranty is uh, No, no, no. <laughs> I, went to, I should actually give it to these guys to play on air. It's in Chinese. It's from Washington, D.C., and the message is in Chinese. Yeah, the, uh, the entire message. No clue what it's saying. We could put it through Google Translate. That calls see what just, they're trying to tell me. That calls just from the future. That's all that is. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> it was a little eerie. It was a little eerie. It's just a Chinese woman explaining something to me. It's a diplomat trying to get in touch with you. <laughs> I thought it was the IRS. I claimed you as a dependent. I forgot to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to be getting much this year, Reed. I hate to, I hate to I'm break it I'm going to get a lot more than I was. He does fire co- file quarterly. Uh, I do. Uh, Paul, I don't know. I... I tend to think it's more it's very scamish but if it has to do with your 401k or whatever it probably is legit and they've closed out your account and there's just money left over to give you well i'll, uh, I'll and i don't know why they wouldn't just I, send I, it to your address i get this um i ignored the letters for some time thinking uh well you yeah. have, have my address with the <laughs> with the letter william in our youtube chat says i got the same call today chad whoa from a D.C. area number with Chinese. I'll, I'll let you guys hear it during the break. We will not stand for infiltration, as Frank Costanza I want to hear said. it, and I want it translated, is what we, is what we need. Jacob Swanson can help us with that. We'll also he discuss actually knows why Debo Samuel yes. actually wants to be traded from San Francisco, and it has to do with the minute details of a contract negotiation that's ongoing, plus factor fiction with some of the big NFL draft headlines. We lead with that next on Outkick 360.